Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points.
everybody. Welcome to the Off Limits Show. Thanks for joining me tonight here on the show. Tonight we're doing the Gay Mass Show, coming to you from Dallas, Texas, as always. It is midnight on Tuesday. Well, actually, actually Wednesday now. Um, April 22nd, 2015. Thanks for listening. If you're listening live or if you're listening in the archives, which where most people listen to the show, I appreciate it. Um, just FYI, you can always go to offlimitsshow.com. You can listen to the show there, live or on iTunes, if you want to subscribe on the iTunes uh, on iTunes for the show, you can listen to Off Limits there. You can listen to Game Ass and also Brain Purge, all the shows that I do <coughs> in that location. Also on Spreaker.com and on Tune. I think it's iTunes or Tune.com or something like that. I don't know. I'm everywhere, so I'm sure you can find me somewhere. <laughs> also, be sure to follow me on Facebook at uh, Off Limits Show on uh, Twitter as well. And... Um, I think that's it. So you can find me everywhere. So be sure to listen however you want to listen. I appreciate it. So tonight we're talking about gay and old equals gold. <laughs> that's what I titled the show because I was reading um, an article called Aging in Gayville, which is written by a blogger named Michael Rohrer. Rohrer? <laughs> I think that's how you say his name. Uh, or Michael Rohrer, probably. R-O-H-R-E-R. -E and he wrote a, a, an, a, an article on aging in Gayville. Um, a Huffington Post, and I read it, and I didn't really agree with everything he had to say. Well, I don't have the same experience he had, and so I guess that's all I'm saying. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion and their own experiences, and that's what he's doing, is recounting his own experiences as aging, getting older, and as we all do. And I certainly have um, been, you know, <laughs> when I was younger, well, he talks about, first I'll tell you, he talks about in the article about how he, when he was younger, he would, uh, you know, he was just kind of um, oblivious to everyone around him, and speci specifically the older men, gay men around him, and the ones who would show him attention, and he would not give them the time of day or give them dirty looks or, or what have you. And I wasn't, I wasn't like that, I guess probably because I liked older guys <laughs> when I was younger, um, you know, when I was a teenager and then when I was in my 20s or whatever. I was, I mean, I've always been to guys who are older than me. I've never really liked guys uh, younger than me. It's always been guys my age range or, or older, typically. And, uh, I mean, there's been a few exceptions, obviously, but generally that's the way it's been for me. <coughs> and uh, so when I was when I was a teenager, I, I, I talked to guys who were older, however old they were, because I didn't look at them as someone who, you know, had no value. A lot of younger gay guys look at older gay guys like they're some... You know, what, what, what do you want to be around them for? They're old. They're not, you know, hot, young, perfect bodies and so forth. What do they have to offer you? Well, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for someone, you know, romantically, you may not be into an older guy. That's fine. But there's a lot you can learn from an older guy that you can't learn from your peers or people who are younger than yourself. <coughs> and I knew that as a young kid, uh, you know, even 15, 16, 17 years old and into my 20s, like I said, I knew this. And I, I, I've always been someone who likes knowledge and and uh, I've always liked people in general and getting to know people's stories. And so for me, I was always interested in, in what they had to offer me in terms of their life and what they'd learned and whatever. And of course, sometimes they were just interested in me just for a piece of ass or whatever, which I knew. But sometimes I was often interested in them for their brain or what they had had in their mind, knowledge-wise and wisdom-wise, I guess. And I feel like... Um, so I guess I was an anomaly. I don't know. I guess when I was young, I wasn't an asshole. I'm still not. And so I think that it was just something that I, I, I guess because I grew up around older people, you know, I valued them. And whatever shape or form they came in, 
whether it was a man or a woman or whatever, I didn't look at everyone as a conquest or a sexual conquest. I look at, looked at them as human beings uh, that I could, you know, learn from. And, um, you know, because I grew up with my mom, my grandmother, a lot of older relatives, my grandmother's relatives, sisters and brothers, and, and a lot of aunts and uncles who were all older. I was always the youngest in my entire family. So I think that's why I was always a lot more comfortable with older people, people who were older than myself, whether it was a few years or several or many. Um, because that's what I grew up with, that's what I knew, and I was always very mature for my age because that's that's how I thought. <coughs> so I also think that's one reason I was more intelligent a lot of times than people who were my own age group. Of course, just beyond the fact that I'm probably more intelligent than most people anyway. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I mean, I was, I was a smart kid anyway, but I'm just saying that I, I was able to pick up on knowledge that and learn things just by being around people and living life around them and that sort of thing. And so as a gay person, when you're, you're aging and you're, you're young, remember to respect your elders, and I don't mean show them respect necessarily as much as respect what they have to offer. And people have been through things. And I always say this to, you know, like I have um, nieces and nephews uh, through my husband whom are, um, you know, they ma they've made a lot of mistakes and whatever. And I was telling my, my sister-in-law um, a few weeks back about how frustrating it must be to have children that never listen to you. And, you know, I was the same way, I guess, as a kid to some extent, but I really did pay attention to what my mom said, even though she didn't think I was listening. I didn't always agree because we are quite different people on our approach to life in general. But I would take her wisdom and I would, you know, I would actually <laughs> take it in consideration. <coughs> Um, kids today seems like they don't listen at all. They think they know everything, and all of them are like that, it seems. It's like none of them really respect what the older people, older generations have to offer. And I always said it's really stupid because, you know, if you look at life as um, as a game or something, or as a, I don't know, if you can call it a game, um, and someone has played the game a lot longer than you, has ha who knows the ins and outs and the the things that are around the corner that you think you know what's going to happen or what's going to how you're going to react to these these particular life events as they come to you. Um, if you are playing a game with someone who's a veteran, then you might be better suited at listening to what they're telling you <laughs> because they've been through all the bullshit, all the mistakes. They've made the mistakes. They've done the fucking um, wrong thing over and over again, and because they didn't listen to people themselves or they uh, didn't have someone to guide them. So if you have someone older than you who's trying to guide you in life, you don't have to do everything they say, you know, whether it's your parent or a mentor or someone who's just older than you in the gay community or whatever. Y just listen to what they're saying and take it to heart and consider it because we probably know what we're, like, we're talking about. <laughs> I say we, like, it's not like, I'm, like I'm so old. I'm not old yet. I'm 39, but I want to talk about that because... Um, um, and that's, but before I get to that, though, that's what I meant by gay plus old equals gold. You know, it's a gold mine of wisdom and information that people older than us can tell us. I still can learn from people older than myself, including my mom and, and family members and people I, you know, I know who are older than myself. And I've always felt that way. So maybe I'm an anomaly. I don't know. But I've always taking, taken um, the wisdom and advice of people older than myself. And I think it's definitely helped me in my life and helped me achieve certain things sooner than other people because I had that wisdom. And uh, I didn't make a lot of the same mistakes a lot of my friends and family members or whatever had done when I was in their, you know, my 20s and my teen years because I had people to guide me. <coughs> and it, whether they're older or not, 
there's always something you can learn. But that's why I say gay plus old equals gold, because they really are a gold mine. But getting older, though, the guy talks about in the article, uh, getting older and feeling like he's invisible. And to the younger generation, 20-year-olds or whatever he's trying to attract, he's single. So he's, he's trying to attract you know, people of all different uh, ages. Um, I guess he's also trying to attract younger guys, but, um, which will never be a problem for me, <laughs> generally. Um, but I think that it's, um, you know, it's unimportant if, if people don't see, you know, as you get old, as we get older, as I get older, I do understand what he's saying because I do understand as we age, our relevance to society declines because, you know, the main years, I think, as of being uh, relevant, so to speak, to society where you can make a huge impact in terms of your career or your activism or your voice or whatever, using something to really impact the world, um, in my opinion, is from, you know, your late teens to your probably your early 60s or late 50s or whatever. And, and so that's really the, 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 the prime years most people have in their lifespan. And so once you get into your late 50s and early 60s and whatever, people begin to start to, you know, kind of not see your relevance anymore, unless you're famous or whatever, of course. Um, but when it comes to just being in your 40s, you begin to see just sort of a twinge, sort of a on the edges of afraid, on the edges of, of how there are certain um, things that you took for granted as a young person that are now becoming a lot less <laughs> common. You know, where people, when you were young, used to turn, you used to walk down the hall or walk down the street or walk in a room or whatever, and people would turn their heads and look at you because they thought you were hot or, you know, check you out or ask you out or whatever. Um, in terms of beauty or whatever, that fades, of course. And, and um, even though I still, you know, for me personally, I, you know, my eyes have always been the one thing people always compliment me on the most. And, um, you know, all of my life, I literally, I've talked about this before, get compliments on my eyes con constantly. I mean, every <laughs> month, I, if I'm going out somewhere, someone says something about how beautiful they think my eyes are. And I, th I, I like my eyes, I guess, you know, they're nice, they're unique, they're different, they're kind of hazel green and they change colors and sometimes they can look blue even if they're in the right light but they're not blue but they're green um but you know my, my eyes change colors and so then they're just kind of unique and so people always think i'm wearing contact lenses and i always tell them no i'm not and i've even been forced to take them out on dates and stuff when i was single because guys didn't believe they were my real eyes and so um i uh my point is, and so th the good thing about that is for me, in terms of beauty fading, you know, that's one of the main things about me um, that will never change. And, you know, mom's going to have the same color eyes. And so I still continue to get those kinds of things. But I do understand how, you know, you don't get the same looks and the same attention you did when you're young. And I think people who have a good core, a good sense of self, that's not a problem for them. Because as we age, if you have the right value system and you have the right priorities in life you know you're not putting all of your eggs into one basket which would be beauty or how you look you're putting them into your career and how you you know using your brain and and your charm and other things about yourself and talents that to um, allow people to like you love you accept you um, see you and instead a lot of gay guys younger gay guys it seems well it doesn't seem I know this for a fact you know, a lot of twinks or whatever, specifically, um, they they use their sexuality as a currency, which is fine, because if you have it, use it. If you got it, flaunt it. There's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with that at all. But what I'm saying is if that's all you have, if that's all you have, 
and you're you're only um, cultivating that side of yourself and not cultivating the things that matter most about being a human being, which are your you know your brain, <laughs> your personality, if you're kind, if you're compassionate, if you're a good human being. I mean, if you have something of importance to give back to the world, a talent or whatever, those are the things that are important. And so if you have a, a, a good core and a good sense of self, as I feel that I did when I was younger, I didn't. I never was one to flaunt my sexuality. I've always been very sexual, but I've never been overtly sexual. You know what I mean? So like in the bedroom, I'm extremely sexual and extremely uninhibited sexually or whatever, but when it comes to being out in public or whatever, in the streets, you know, you know, it's like in the streets and the sheets, you know, it's like a, a choir boy in the streets and a, and a whore in the sheets or slut in the sheets or whatever that's saying, <laughs> so that's me. And so for me, I, I just don't find it to be, and the reason I'm like that is one, I'm just naturally, generally modest individual about my body. I'm not someone who likes to just share it with everybody in the world. I share it with people that I, I am close to, like my husband or whatever, and people when I was dating and stuff, you know, whatever. But I, want, I don't just, you know, I would never do Playboy or Playgirl or, or whatever it is um, or, or, or pose nude or whatever, even if I had the perfect body to do that anymore. Um, I would never do those things. Uh, I just never, it was never me. I'm not an exhibitionist, I guess is what I'm saying, because I don't value, I've never valued people's appearance so much more than other parts of the personality. Uh, yes, I love beauty just like anybody else does, and I think it's, it's a great thing, but as they say, beauty fades. So if you are, you know, cashing in on that kind of currency your entire youth and you're not really cultivating the other sides of yourself, your brain, your intellect, et cetera, your heart, which I think is the most important personally, then you're in for a really rough ride as you age. You're going to be in for something really, really um, tough as you get older because and you're not going to notice it or know it and realize it until you're older and things start to change in your body because they inevitably do even if you have plastic surgery you, these things it doesn't matter even if you stay really fit and in shape you will never look the same or as good as you did in generally as you did when you were 20 years old or 25 years old or whatever age you think you look the best at because as you get older it's going to change whether you want it to or not and there's of course like i said things you can do plastic surgery whatever but these are all things that are just on the external and so if you're focused on those things as you age you're really, um, what's the word? You're really bankrupt um, emotionally. You're really bankrupt in any other kind of currency that you can have in the world. And that's the way I look at it. You know, there's sexual currency or beauty or <laughs> physical currency, whatever you want to call it. And then there's um, intellectual currency. Then there's the heart, you know, the, the currency of the heart and love and empathy and those things. And so, I don't know, maybe other people are different, but I've always seen throughout my life that people who are vapid, you know, vacuous people who don't really focus on the things that matter ultimately in life, you know, they may matter when you're young and it may be important when you're young, but in, in for the, for suit you for those things. But as you age, those things no longer really are as important. And it's hard to remember that when you're young or to know that even, but I'm telling you, <laughs> someone who's older than some of my listeners who are in their 20s or whatever, it is true. So please focus on what is important about yourself and what really matters and, and love yourself uh, for things that are not so superficial because love yourself for things that will always stay the same and not for things that are going to abruptly 
I'll wake you up one day and say, fuck, I'm old. Look you in the mirror and say, fuck, I'm old. And I look at these wrinkles on my face or these, this sagging ass or whatever it is or these sagging balls. And do you know, guys, as you get older, your balls begin to sag? Not the balls necessarily, but the part behind them, you know? It's real tight when you're young and it gets, it gets lower and lower and lower. And so, um, not, all, not all guys. The bigger the balls, the more they sag. So if you have big balls, you're probably in for it. But if you have tighter balls, then it probably won't be as much of a problem. But that's just what I've read about. Anyway, so that's um, what I wanted to talk about uh, about that today. Also, um, I wanted to talk about uh, Madonna. Madonna was texting, caught texting in um, a, a Broadway play uh, yesterday. And she was... Um, texting through the entire second act of the play and you know that is so fucking rude and you know of course her phone's on it's lit up and she's i don't know even if the sound was on or whatever it was like tap 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 you know sometimes when you text it taps that tap sound and so i don't know what the actual you know um sound was or whatever or, or what the actual repercussions of her doing it were to other people around her but it was um, obviously, you know, like when I'm in a theater or a movie theater or anything and someone has their, their phone out and this pit of darkness all of a sudden it's blinding you if it's right in front of you or beside you. It's hard to, you know, it's distracting. And it's hard to focus or stay into the uh, immersed in the, the play or the, the, the movie or whatever it is you're watching. And so I'm really disappointed in her for being this way. And, and so she asked apparently to go or wanted to go back to the stage to see the main character the main actor after the show and he refused to see her because he knew she'd been texting the entire time through the second act. This is not the first time though that this happened to Madonna. Madonna actually here in Texas when she went to the, uh, I think it was called the Austin Roadhouse or something. I can't remember what it's called. It's a theater in, in uh, Austin, Texas where they have a lot of um, uh, movie premieres or whatever, independent movie premieres and a lot of actors and actresses and famous people go there every year. <coughs> anyway, she was kicked out of that for the same reason and it banned from the theater as a matter of fact. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, does, is you think she just thinks she's better than everybody else and she can do whatever she wants because she's Madonna, bitch, I'm Madonna, you know, or do you think she just is oblivious? I mean, if she doesn't enjoy the play or the movie or whatever she's watching, then leave. Don't start texting in the middle of it. So I'm really disappointed in her. I thought she had more class than that, but apparently she doesn't. Um, Anti-gay proponents are coming out with all these reasons that they have for, you know, gay marriage not being legal or whatever. And um, the reasons that they have are so completely fucking ridiculous because, um, you know, as you know, th we've been having this fight for, I don't know how long we've been having this fight about gay marriage equality in, in the United States, obviously. But it's been, of course, incredibly... Um, uh, frustrating for people like myself and my husband who want to have equality uh, and be able to get married in our own state or you know not to be able to get married here but to be able to have our marriage that we've already had in a state that recognizes it recognized and um, well some of the reasons they have are gays and lesbians shouldn't be allowed to marry the person they love because most Americans are in favor of that and also most Americans aren't in addition marriage equality is bad for kids according to a study had nothing to do with marriage also, religion, tradition, and straight people don't actually want to be married. So if gay people can marry, then straight people will lose interest in each other. <laughs> so these are some of the most ridiculous arguments presented to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, you know, ahead of the arguments coming next week. 
uh, in about whether gay marriage should be allowed across the country and recognized in every state, regardless of state policy or whatever. And so, I mean, I heard last year when they were doing the same thing about um, DOMA, the first half of DOMA that was overturned before that happened, the arguments by the, uh, by the, uh, the, the I guess the prosecution, that's the prosecution, the plaintiffs, which were, you know, different states, various states like Texas and so forth, um, who said, you know, things as ridiculous as this. These are the things they come up with. If you have to come up with something so fucking ridiculous and so far out there to defend something, then you obviously don't have a real reason to believe what you believe. And they're just reaching at straws. And it's so ridiculous because one of them says, one of the briefs says that children of lesbian, gay, bi, and transgender people do worse than their parents than the parents when their parents get married. But it's based on a study from 1995, which is 10 years before marriage equality was even legal anywhere. Uh, and another one says that gays are so politically powerful that they shouldn't be allowed to marry because, well, I never actually explained why. And <laughs> so they go on and on and on about these things are just reaching and reaching. So I wanted to, to wanted you to hear this guy explain it to you. It's just two minutes long. Listen to what he says. Rounded up the weirdest Supreme Court briefs that argue against allowing gays and lesbians to marry. Some are full of mistakes, others have baffling arguments, and at least one is incredibly sexist and signed by a member of Congress. For the American Foundation for Equal Rights, I'm Matt Baum, and welcome to Marriage Newswatch for April 20th, 2015. Here are just some of the stupefying arguments presented to the U.S. Supreme Court ahead of oral argument next week. Gay and lesbian Americans shouldn't be allowed to marry each other because most citizens are in favor of that, and also most citizens aren't. Marriage equality is bad for kids, according to a study that had nothing to do with marriage equality. Also, religion, tradition, and straight people don't actually want to marry each other, so if gay people can marry each other, straight people will lose interest in marriage? Maybe the strangest brief came from a group called Same-Sex Attracted Men and Their Wives. These are gay guys who married straight women and who seem to think that the case will result in a, quote, mandate requiring same-sex marriage. It won't. Don't worry, nobody's going to be required to have a same-sex wedding. The brief also argues that gay people shouldn't marry each other because that implies that there's something wrong with marrying straight people. Another brief claims that the children of LGBTs do worse when their parents get married, but as proof, it cites a 1995 study which was nine years before marriage equality was legal anywhere. Another says that gays have so much public support that they shouldn't be allowed to marry because, well, that's never really explained. And it contradicts Nam's brief that gays don't have enough public support. Then there's a brief signed by the leaders of the 2012 Republican National Convention Committee on the Platform. That's Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn, former Republican National Committee Vice Chairman James Bopp Jr., and Carolyn McLarty, chair of the RNC's Committee on Resolution and a retired veterinarian. Their argument? That men are so promiscuous and women so emotional that they need to marry each other to control those impulses. They also argue that only straight couples and their children can fight tyrants and totalitarian regimes. No explanation for how that works. It also claims that the average gay relationship lasts one and a half years. Again, this is a brief paid for and signed by Republican Party leaders and at least one member of Congress. It's probably a good thing that the arguments against marriage equality are so convoluted. It's certainly not helping the case for preserving those marriage bans. Oral argument is going to be the morning of April 28th, so keep an eye out for that. That's next Tuesday. Hopefully this is the last time that we'll have to roll our eyes at arguments like these. Subscribe here on YouTube to stay up to date on all these stories. For the American Foundation for Equal Rights, I'm Matt Baum. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.
All right. So uh, as he said, the arguments are ridiculous. And we're used to hearing these, of course, from uh, the right and from hearing the ridiculous arguments they have. But the fact is that, you know, I was actually discussing this earlier today on the Off Limits show page with some people about how ridiculous the Republicans are on the right wing conservatives and how logic is never, has never been their strong suit and has always been a problem for them. They will argue anything, uh, you know, anything they can argue against anything, but it doesn't have to make sense. As long as they win the argument, as long as somehow they win the argument, they think they do, or as long as somehow they uh, convince the judge or whatever, or whomever it is they're trying to convince that, you know, to come to their side of thinking or their way of thinking, um, they'll say and do anything to make it that happen. Um, logic is not something that they really value. And, you know, look at the people that they have running um, for office or in office on their side. People like, of course, Sarah Palin and Mark Rubio and Ted Cruz and, and these people who, uh, what's his name, Jindal, Bobby Jindal, whatever. These people are so completely ludicrous and their way of thinking is is moronic. And so for people to actually put any kind of stock in their way of thinking just baffles me at all. Um, I guess it really just boils down to people's hatred towards gays so much. They hate gay people so much that they're willing to stand behind people who make absolutely no sense and complete morons like Sarah Palin and, and so forth and in, in order to, to push their own personal so social agenda uh, forward or their religious, or rather, I should say, agenda forward. And I've said before, I don't really think that if um, religion were out of the, out of the uh, equation, which it should be anyhow, because why? Separation of church and state is also another problem for the right-wing conservatives, <laughs> which is ironic since they say they want small government. <coughs> yeah, but anyway, um, they are... Uh, often, you know, heard saying things that are, you know, in direct, you know, contrast to a separation of church and state. They're always saying that they want, you know, more religion in the government and so forth. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But first, uh, Rubio, uh, Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, he's Republican, said Sunday that he believes sexual orientation isn't a choice. Yeah, he says that sexual orientation is not a choice. That's good, right? That's great. He understands that sexual orientation is not a choice, which is rare to hear a Republican or a right-wing conservative say that. You know, it's almost always, oh, it's a choice, and it's a way of life, it's a lifestyle choice, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So this was something that, you know, you may think, well, that's good. We've got a Republican who actually understands, because if he understands that sexual orientation is not a choice, then how could he ever be against it? Well, he goes on to say in the same sentence, but... You know, he says, I believe that sexual preference is something that people are born with. Um, he says, um, but he also believes that marriage should be between one man and one woman. It's not saying that I'm against gay marriage. So states have always regulated marriage. And if a state wants to have a different definition, you should petition the state le legislature and have a political debate, he said. I don't think courts should be making that decision. And I don't believe same-sex marriage is a constitutional right. Well, if marriage is a constitutional right, then same-sex marriage would also be a constitutional right. If marriage is a constitutional right, then same-sex marriage is a constitutional right. I mean, that just follows logically. As I said, they're not really good on logic. Um, so I don't understand how someone can say in one sentence it's not a choice. So if he, he believes that it's not a choice, he doesn't believe that we should have the right, equal rights. So if he believes it's not a choice to be black or Hispanic or Asian or a woman, for example, does it also mean 
that he can curtail the rights of those people as well as he chooses, you know, randomly to say, well, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have the right to to uh, not do what your, your husband tells you to do and stay home barefoot and pregnant and to have as many children as he dictates. Or just because you're black doesn't mean you should have civil liberties or just because you're Hispanic and from Mexico or from a, another country and you came across here illegally, not all of them are like that, of course, but I'm just saying, you know, if they come across here illegally, it doesn't mean you have, should have rights, you know, whatever, even though he himself is um, Hispanic. But anyway, so you see my point. So it, it, it logically, you know, if you're going to follow the logic of that thinking, that is where you're ending up. And it is illogical. Um, however, this man is running for president of the United States, and um, I don't think he'll get very far, although people do think he might. Um, I don't know who the Republican contender will be for Hillary Clinton, whom is the one, of course, most of us believe will be the, um, the, uh, con the uh, oh my God, I can't think, presidential candidate for on the Democratic side of things. Um, uh, the Republican side, we don't know. It could be Chris Christie. It could be Rubio. Um, it could be, who else is running? Ted Cruz. Ugh. But anyway, the funny thing is, you know, of course, many people have said, please let Ted Cruz and Sarah Palin or somebody run a ticket because so she'll have just an easy time sailing through. But, you know, that scares the shit out of me um, if that were to ever happen because, you know, it is a possibility that she could lose, of course. Nothing is a shoe in We're 18 months out of the actual elections uh, season uh, where we elect the pre next president of the United States. And um, so much can happen, just like it did with Obama in his first um, term before he became president for his first term. Um, no one saw him coming. He was a dark horse, and he was, no, no pun intended, <laughs> he was a dark horse, and he was the one uh, that came up from behind and just surprised and shocked everybody. Like, who is this guy? He's a freshman senator, you know, from Chicago, and nobody really knows that much about him, blah, blah, blah. He wrote a couple books, you know, he went to Harvard, but wh what has he done? And look, he's now a second-term president of the United States of America. So, you know, Hillary thought then also that she might win um, and thought she was a shoe-in some, to some degree, but she didn't. And so anything could happen with this next election, and there's no telling what that's going to be. Let's just pray to God, if you believe in God or uh, Allah or the sun or whatever the fuck you believe in, that, <laughs> that you know, the fucking Republicans do not win. Um, although it is very, very rare for a two-time incumbent president, uh, his party, to continue to stay in office after his second term. It's very, very rare. It's almost always the opposing, the opposing um, um, side that wins the election. Um, you know, like, for example, with uh, Reagan, two terms, and then we had... Uh, actually, we had two terms with him and then Bush, like as an example. But after Bush, we had um, Clinton for two terms. And after him, we had, of course, dumbass Bush Jr. for two terms, Republican. Then, we, of course, we had um, Obama. So, um, and there's other examples of that as well, excuse me. So, I think that it's important to not get ahead of ourselves and to think that definitively uh, she's going to win and that she's going to uh, be the next president of the United States. Uh, and I think, you know, you know, I actually didn't know what her actual stance on gay rights was uh, when she announced uh, a couple weeks ago. And I actually said that on my show. You know, her website did not say anything about her, you know, stance on gay rights or liberties or whatever. Um, and I figured, I knew to some degree she'd said that she was on the right side, you know, she was on the gay side of things, that she was on our side. 
but it wasn't really clear as to whether she was she'd taken a real position on it or whatever. But now she has come out and said that she is she supports marriage equality uh, and hopes that the Supreme Court will come down on the same side of uh, the side of same sex couples being guaranteed the constitutional right to be married. Um, so that's great and that's wonderful. Plus, she also hired a gay campaign manager, which is a big deal. The first gay gay, gay campaign manager of any presidential elector electorate. Uh, or possible, what, what the fuck's wrong with me? I can't think of the fucking word I'm looking for. <laughs> Not incumbent, but um, um, I don't know. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so um, that is uh, what's happening in politics, uh, according to you know us uh, with gay people. Um, one more thing about that, though. Tennessee is trying to make the Bible the official state book, as I was saying. Republicans and the right wing love to um, conflate religion and government. They love to combine those two things and make them the same, one and the same somehow. And um, it's constant battle to try to keep religion outside of our fucking state, you know, out of the state, meaning the government. It is completely, completely, completely ridiculous that we are still fighting the same fight. And, you know, we have done this for so long. The fucking founding fathers <laughs> were trying so hard to... Uh, to prevent this from happening, so because they, you know, the whole reason that they escaped, uh, or initially not them, but the reason this country is founded was uh, because we were trying to escape religious persecution, and so that means you know freedom from and uh, and of religion. So, in, in this day and age, to have to still be battling against the same fucking issues as gay people or people of uh, um, different races or. Um, religious backgrounds or whatever is ridiculous. But anyway, Tennessee is trying to make the Bible the official state book. And um, in Texas, it was even passed, a law passed about making Moses, putting Moses in as one of the founding fathers or the founding father of hum humanity. I mean, <laughs> seriously. And, you know, not like there was even, first of all, it's ridiculous for obvious reasons, but not even to mention the logic of it is ridiculous and flawed because there were people people before Moses on this earth, which even the Bible, which is ridiculous, ridiculously flawed as well, um, states. So it isn't exactly like Moses was the first human being, um, but so apparently he was the founding father of humanity, according to this book. And Texas textbooks are utilized across the country in almost all the states, and they're determined, the content of what is in them is determined by a panel of teachers here, was actually a movie. I wish I could remember the name of it. I saw a documentary about this um, about a year ago, maybe eight months ago or something. Uh, and it was all about how it was about Texas and the Texas School Book Board or whatever the fuck it's called, how it was, um, it was showing the scientists um, who were, oh, I know what it was. It was something about a scientific science book, okay? And they were trying to, the Texas people, legislature people or whatever, people who were on the side of the Texas state, were trying to um, put that creationism should be included in a science book. <laughs> and that it should be included as an alternative to evolution. And so scientists were, of course, their heads were, you know, exploding. And um, they kept trying and trying and trying to get it, you know, not put in there. And um, they successfully, ultimately successfully, uh, stopped a lot of the bullshit that these creationists were trying to put into the into the book, the science books that these kids learned from. Um, but they didn't stop some of it, and some of it is still saying that they're showing creationism as an alternative um, alternative to evolution. 
And because I kept saying that evolution is a theory, a theory. You know, a theory doesn't mean necessarily it's not true or not proven. You can prove a theory, you know, and it has pretty much been proven that evolution is what happened and how we got here. Um, no one's ever proven anything about God or creationism or any of that bullshit. So to actually go on and on and say that it's an actual, it's on the same level as of thinking as a scientific theory that's been proven is bullshit. But, you know, what do you fucking expect? We're in fucking Texas. Uh, Laverne Cox posed nude. Uh, I can't remember what, um, I should remember, but I don't remember what uh, magazine or what it was on. Well, she did pose nude, and she said she did it because she wanted to show that African-American women could be attractive because you never see them in magazines, which is not true. You s there's like, I could list a dozen or more women we see all the time in magazines, African-American women we see in magazines, and their beauty being celebrated. And so I don't think that's true. I mean, of course, that was true many years ago, but I certainly don't think it's true anymore. I really think she's just using an excuse to pose naked, but she did, and and she is transgender, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but, you know, she looks like a woman, you know, as you've seen her. You know, she is a woman because she's transgender, fine. But I'm saying that she, her legs are very beefy and thick, and they don't look very feminine. <laughs> so I would advise that she get her muscle tone down on her legs because it doesn't look feminine. But um, she looked nice. But she was saying she was trying to make um, African-American women look good, and someone had commented, well, she's trying to make African-American women look good, why is she wearing it? Why is she wearing a blonde wig? And I think I kind of have to agree with that. Um, last thing I want to talk about is Tallywhackers. Tallywhackers is a new restaurant here in Dallas, and it is uh, basically the equivalent to Hooters for men. Um, these men will be scantily clothed and dressed, and they serve a lot of food that's very phallic, like hot dogs and corn dogs and and sausages and <laughs> things like that. And uh, while they're doing it in their underwear or something equivalent, and they're all really nice looking and everything. And it's here in Dallas. It's going to be in the Oaklawn area. Oaklawn is the gay gayerhood here. It's the general, it's the basic gay area of Dallas. There's several gay areas, but that's the gay area where all the bars are concentrated and that sort of thing here in Dallas. And um, so they're going to be putting it there. I don't think this is that much of a huge deal or like it's groundbreaking or anything. I mean, we have places that serve food and also have scantily clad men. I mean, it's just called bars usually, you know. <laughs> um, so I don't know why it's such a big deal. But they're doing that, and it's gotten national recognition. And so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is that I am doing um, revamping, I should say resurrecting my magazine that I, s I had going for about two years, uh, two years ago. And um, it was a national magazine, and I had you know, print magazine and also um, also online, and it's called Mutant Magazine, and we'll be revitalizing that. I'm hiring new writers as we speak, so if you're interested in writing for the magazine, you can email me at editor, E-D-I-T-O-R, at newt, M-O-O-T, magazine.com, and I'd be happy to check you out. So... I thank you for listening to the show. I'll be back uh, next Tuesday, and you all have a great night. Good night. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points.